Welcome to the Lord's house this morning. We're very glad that you are here with us in person, and we certainly welcome those who are joining our service online today. For the believer, the one who is born again of the Spirit of God, we love our Lord Jesus. The hymn we're going to start with today says, How I Love the Name of Jesus. Well, of course, it's not the letters that make up His name that we're talking about. When we speak about loving the name of our Lord, it is because of what that name represents, who it represents. And so, as we begin our worship today, we're going to stand and sing number 34, the words behind me on the screen. Let's stand, please, to worship the Lord.
Well, you will notice this morning that we have a new organist, or we should say a replacement organist. Mrs. McClelland is back at her spot again, and I said to her, it's a bit like riding your bicycle that you never forget once you learned. And she said, yes, that is true. Well, the reason that Mrs. McClellan is stepping in today is because our sister, Mrs. Hannah Kim, she is in the hospital this morning. She had a turn, collapsed there just on Friday and was taken to emergency. And they're putting her through several tests now today. In the next couple of days, they're not exactly sure what the problem was or is. So I know that our dear sister is watching online today from the hospital. And so we are praying for you, Hannah, and also for Chris. And just pray that the Lord would give grace and help uh, during this time. Let's come to the Lord, please, now in prayer. Father, as we come this morning into your holy presence, the beginning of another Lord's Day, another opportunity, Father, that we have to bow in your presence, to humble ourselves and be still, to lift our voices and our hearts in thanksgiving and worship. Lord, it is a great blessing to be in Your house with people of like precious faith. And to know, Lord, that as we begin our worship, as we lift a song, a hymn, as we have just done, that is the testimony of every believing heart. It is true, Lord, that we love our Savior. And we don't ever want to be ashamed of that. We don't want to be embarrassed by such things. But dear Father, we pray that we will not fear the face of men, but so trust in our God and know the infilling of the Spirit's power, enabling us to bear a witness to be bright for our Lord, to take our stand for truth in a day of evil, a day of compromise. Dear Lord, help us, we pray, to be strong in Christ, in the power that we are granted by the Spirit. And dear Lord, we give thanks today for each family represented here and we commit each one in our fellowship and all the burdens and cares and needs that we all represent. Our Lord, our faces may be different, but we all have burdens upon our hearts. How thankful we are to be able to cast all our care upon our God. For Lord, You've promised to care for us. We remember today our sister Hannah Kim, and we pray, Father, for Your blessing to be upon her. We give the doctors understanding and wisdom to diagnose the problem. Beyond all this, Lord, we're thankful that she is in Your hand 
and we pray healing and blessing on her. We also remember our sister Anna Tan, having come through surgery. Lord, bless her this morning and encourage her heart. Thankful our brother Richard Teo is with us in the service, and brother Ron. And Lord, continue to pour out your blessing upon these brethren and help them in their physical needs. Pray for our sister Serene, that you would watch over her and strengthen and bless her. And many others, whether they're aging or in the hospital or some other concern, Lord, just surround them in your love and pour out great blessing. Father, for any in our meeting today or watching online that are without Christ, we pray that they will come to taste and see that the Lord is good, that they will come to experience what it is to truly love the Lord Jesus, their hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Our loving Father, we pray for blessing on all of our congregations. We pray for blessing on every faithful tongue that is speaking and proclaiming and preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. Bless them abundantly, Lord. And may there be a great harvest of souls gathered into the kingdom today. Lord, build up Your people. Strengthen us all. May we know that mighty reviving and awakening the power of God in us to be faithful servants of the Most High God. Lord, we want to be serious about the most serious things of life. We want, Lord, to be engaged in Your work. We don't want to be bystanders. We don't want to be just pew warmers. We pray, O God, for the Spirit's energy and strength and direction and help to show us the way we are to go and bless and prosper and increase. Help us to be involved in the extension of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we have relative peace and freedom here in our land. but We know there are many of Your people that are suffering. Suffering because they are testimonies of righteousness and truth and grace. And they claim to know Christ, and that is their crime. Lord, bless them in the prison. Bless them in any incarceration. Bless them under any turmoil or trouble. And dear Father, we ask that there would be a great witness given even in front of persecutors. And so, Lord, strengthen us today. Continue to bless us in our worship as we sing and read the Scripture and open our hearts to the Word. And dear Lord, open the Word to our hearts. And so bless us now today. Hear our prayers and continue with us. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Psalm 40. If you're using our hymnal, the psalms are at the back of the book. Psalm 40, and we will stand as we worship. 
Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 4. The book of Acts, chapter 4. We're reading the first 12 verses. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was above five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they answered, or they asked, By what power? Or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. May God bless His Word to us as we have read this morning. Well, the context of chapter 4, as we read, was the impotent man that was healed by the Spirit of God working through the apostles. And What transpired in Jerusalem was a great uproar, really, so much interest at what had taken place. And so the chief priests and elders, they come to speak to the apostles, and they offer them a most unique opportunity, an opportunity that you and I would welcome to receive when someone comes to you as you begin to speak to them about your faith and so on, and they say, how come this has happened to you? Why are you speaking the way you are speaking? By what authority are you doing this? And you would say, thank you, Lord, for opening that door. And then you go through that door. And Peter was able to say, I will tell you by what name and by what authority and by what power we are doing this. 
It is by the name of Christ Jesus, the One You've crucified and slain, whom God has raised from the dead. It is by Him and through His authority and power that we stand here today and give testimony. And friends, it's exactly the same for you. It's exactly the same for me. When God opens the door, let us be and know as Peter did, the infilling of His Spirit. The power of God in us. It's not just for preachers, you know, not just for missionaries. It is for every single believer, every single child of God. And we can know the promise of the Spirit and the anointing of power to be useful for His kingdom. Yes, to give someone a gospel tract and to be able to say, this is my Savior And let me tell you why I love Him. Let me tell you what He's done for me. And share your faith. And that God may make all of us soul winners for His kingdom. Because that's what it is all about. May the Lord bless His Word to us as we have read today. Well, welcome to our morning worship service today. We are very, very glad that you're here in person very glad that you're here watching us online. If you have tuned in today for the first time, or maybe you stumbled over by accident, well, it is no accident. God has directed, and we pray the Word of the Lord will be open to your heart today. We are very happy to have Pastor and Mrs. Schultz visiting with us from the Czech Republic. They're over here to visit their family, and David and Irene and the boys, the family with us today. We're very happy that you folks are here. You're very, very welcome in the Lord's place today. And uh, others who are visiting, and I might not have your name, but I want you to know you're very, very welcome. And I trust the Lord would encourage your heart and bless you today. I've already mentioned, oh, I want to not forget Katie. Katie, you're very welcome today. I'm glad you've been able to come with, uh, with Mrs. Piccini and with Lisa. You're very, very welcome. Katie is the next door neighbor to our sister, Mrs. Puccini, and uh, Grace has been having some good Bible study times over the years with Katie, and we've been praying for Katie's husband and for her son, and let's continue to pray for you as well, so you're very welcome in our service today. So let's please continue to think about some of our ones who are sick. I've already mentioned Mrs. Oh, yes, Jaden is there. That's right. Jaden's back in the service. Thank you, Joan, for pointing that out to me. Jaden's been not well all week. He's been sick, but I'm glad, Jaden, you're in the service this morning. We've been praying for you. We were on Wednesday night as well. And it's very, and many sick ones. This past week has been, well, it's been one of those upset time. A nasty flu has gone around, and several people have come down with it. And, but most of them are back in the service today. And so we are very thankful. We mentioned Wednesday night it was in our prayer meeting that after our minister's week of prayer and all the elders and ministers who are here, we're very happy that all the guests have come up. We're always happy to welcome people, but when they've come and if there's sickness going around, you're happy to say they're back home now, and if they get sick at home, well, it's technically not our problem anymore, it's their problem, and uh, yet we're still happy that uh, the ones who are sick in our congregation are feeling better and they're back on track again. 
I want to thank everyone in our congregation that were helping during our week of prayer and presbytery meetings. Everyone pitched in and really was pulling hard and investing in their time and their resources. We are greatly thankful to the Lord for you and for all the work that you have been able to do. And do please continue to pray for our churches and for those folks that have gone back to their home now and that God would bless them and encourage them and the gospel that goes out would have great impact. It was very good to have many of our missionaries online during our times of presbytery and prayer. Uh, Brother Dave DeCanio from Liberia, uh, Pastor Milos Schultz Jr. from the Czech Republic, he was also with us online for all the meetings. And it's a great thing with the technology, how far and wide that we can make use of these things. So that was a real blessing as well for all of us. Let's please remember the persecuted Christians in various places around the world who are suffering because they name the name of Christ. They are followers of the Lord and they are suffering in the cause of Christ. So please remember them in prayer. Our services today at 5.50, our pre-service prayer time, and then our evening service of worship at 6.30. Tonight, after our evening service, we're going to have a time of hymn singing. We were supposed to do this last Lord's Day evening, but because of all the visitors, uh, it was just not possible. So we're going to do that tonight after the evening service. And then next Lord's Day, don't forget, uh, last Lord's Day of the month, we will be having our fellowship time following. On the counter, on the tables at the back, you will see seven different prayer cards that have just been prepared for the different missionaries that we have. And so please, I ask you to make sure that you take one of each one or two, depending on your needs, and let's remember and pray. There are prayer requests for every individual field, for all the missionaries, and let's be in prayer to the Lord that He will bless them and encourage one. This the one I happen to have with me is the one from Jamaica, our brother Richard Craig and his family. So let's remember to pray for that field and all of them. And you'll also notice on the table is a postcard of sorts. It has on both sides, it is a gospel message. We are distributing these throughout all the community. This time, we've decided to send, there are about 10,000 are going to be printed, and we're going to do a, a mass mailing around all of Malvern. And the session and board decided this year to do that instead of personally distributing them because we can't get into the apartment buildings or the condominiums. And uh, at least through the mail, that can be done. And so let's pray that as these things are prepared and printed and distributed, and there are some at the back there as well. There's also a QR code that if you put your phone to it, you'll be able to go to our website and hear a gospel message. So please, let's be pray in prayer for the distribution of all of those things. Some advance notice, one of them has to do with the Highland Creek outreach that is going to be happening on the day of June 17. And our brother Kingsley Jew, Mr. Jew, is overseeing that outreach. And so if you'd like to be involved, and I encourage you to do that, uh, even for an hour, we're going to set up teams that will go and distribute Bibles and tracts and bottles of water with a little gospel text on them. 
It's a, a nice way of doing outreach in the community, and that will be at the Highland Creek Festival, June 17th. So let's be in prayer for those things. We're going to sing and praise the Lord again, number 306 in our hymn book, and we'll stand as we worship the Lord. Turn, please, in your Bibles now to John chapter 20. Gospel of John chapter 20. 
We're going to read from verse 19. Then the same day at even, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. And he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing." And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. And verse 31 is the text we're going to be thinking about this morning. And what a great text of Scripture this is. If you are ever thinking about what verse could I share with someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible or nothing about Jesus, this would be a good one to highlight and mark in your Scripture. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Father, as we have the Word open now, Lord, open our hearts 
speak to us from the Word. Very familiar, this verse of Scripture may be to many. Dear Lord, I pray its truth will be opened to us with fresh power. Give us understanding, Lord, we pray. And we ask again earnestly for any who are unsaved, any without Christ, that they would come to taste, to trust, to see that the Lord is good and He is the only Savior of their souls. So hear our prayer. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, we have been thinking a few weeks ago in our study as we've been doing the Lord's life, we talked about Thomas a little bit. And we could conclude that the man Thomas was not a gullible person. His attitude toward life and business was a good one. To some degree, we all need to have a Thomas spirit in us, especially in light of the increasing scams that are put in front of us, innovative scams, digital scams. They are across the landscape today. Sometimes you wonder, how could someone be taken in by such a scam? But, nonetheless, they are, and maybe we have been on the receiving end at some time or another in our life, and we must be very careful I'm not talking about the duct-cleaning scams. They have become quite old. Or maybe the shady car salesperson that tries to sell you a junker and put it forward as something that's a good vehicle. No, we have to have a healthy skepticism in our dealings. This Thomas spirit is good for us so we won't be taken in but like many good qualities that we can make use of or that we might have, they can be hurtful when they're out of place. They can be debilitating to us when they are in the wrong direction. They can become a very rope that we would trip and stumble over. We know that Thomas had witnessed the life of Christ. He saw His miracles. And yet he did not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, even though Christ had preached that word very clearly. He had told that He would rise again the third day. Thomas said, unless I touch the Lord, put my finger in His prints, see His side and the nail wound, the spear wound, I won't believe. So here his healthy skepticism on one hand was now debilitating to him because he was looking to see something where his faith was not engaged. And brothers and sisters, you and I are called to a life of faith. 
as we have believed in Christ as our Savior and we want to walk in the light of His truth, we are called then to engage our faith to walk with our God. When the Lord showed Himself to Thomas, there was a rebuke that came with that. We know, Thomas, you've seen Me and you believed. But blessed are those that have not seen Me with the physical eye, but have seen Me with the eye of faith and have believed. Blessed are those people. Now, we know that Thomas, that was a bit of a blip in his life, a little setback, but thankfully it was just for a short time because Thomas was with the rest of them on the second Lord's Day when Christ appeared. And then he went forward with the joy and peace and power to do God's work. And we have to learn, friends, that when it comes to the operation of our faith, we do not set aside reason. We don't set aside our thinking but we submit them to the Holy Spirit and what He has revealed through His own precious Word. So John, in the writing of his Gospel, as he finishes with that last comment about what Jesus said to Thomas, he moves then to verse 30 and he said, "...and many other signs..." did Jesus in the presence of His disciples which are not written in this book. Not written in His account. They might be written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They may be recorded in other parts of the Bible. But as far as John was recording, he did not put them in. Now there's a little bit of dispute knowing whether John was meaning all the life that Christ had worked he was not including all of those miracles, which of course we know he didn't, or was he referring just simply to the time that Jesus spent with his disciples after he had risen from the dead? And really, how you come down on that one does not make too much difference to the outcome. The fact is that Jesus did many, many miracles, both before he was crucified and He showed Himself and many things afterward as well. It's not, my friends, the things that are not included in the Bible that should be a trouble to you. It's the things that are included in the Bible. That's the things we must concern our spirit and our heart with. Ample evidence to all who will read the Bible, all who will study and evaluate it reasonably and accept what history and reason have verified, that Christ is the Messiah. He lived. He suffered. He died. He was buried. And He rose again the third day, and He ascended up to glory, and He is coming back to this world again. He has made that promise. 
But this time He will not be returning in humility to be born in a manger. This time when the King of kings and the Lord of lords returns, it will be in power and great glory. Are you ready for that day, friend? Are you anticipating the return of Christ? All these things have been written for our learning. They've been written for our instructions. Now, skeptics will deny. They always have. And as long as this earth continues, there will always be skeptics. Those who look to science as having the answers, perhaps to philosophy or higher education. On the other hand, it might be simply those who are in their ignorance or rebellion or their arrogance because their hearts are dead in sin. And the problem is that man born into this world is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We are dead spiritually. There is no spiritual life in a person by being born naturally into this world. And therefore, the eyes are closed to spiritual things. The natural sinful man does not seek after God. There must be a miracle of regeneration to take place by the Spirit in the heart of the individual. And when the heart has been given life, then Christ is embraced. He is received by faith alone. And when we come having received the Lord Jesus, then God's Word, the Bible, it becomes a very different book to us. Not only is the Bible telling us about faith, but I say to you friends today that the Bible must be understood by faith. As a history book, People will say some things are included, some things are excluded. Why does good God not give us more evidence? Why are certain things left out? And again, friend, the concern that any man should have is not what has been excluded, but to deal with the very issues of what's in the Bible Some find it hard to believe in God or the Bible because they do not comprehend the whole picture. They have not come to it by faith. Other people may refuse to believe because of the implications. If a man comes to the Word of God and says, yes, I see the Bible is true and real, legitimate, and I am going to accept it as being real, well, the next thing is, you have to submit yourself to what the Bible is teaching. And there is a day of accountability. A natural man doesn't want that. People want to live their life on their own, their own way, their own dimension. They want to taste all the world has to offer. They do not want to say, if I come to the Bible, if I acknowledge there's a God that I have to deal with, there's a God that I'm going to have to give an account to one day, then I'm in trouble. Man, I don't want that. 
So it's easy for people to say, ah, oh, the Bible, it's an old book. Just throw it aside. Some history book. Some people wrote this thousands of years ago. That doesn't apply today. We've moved on. Our society is enlightened. We now know that there are more than just two genders today. We now know there are a hundred genders today or more because man has become more enlightened in the madness and folly of depravity. There is no limit. You see, once God withdraws His hand of restraint from men, there is nothing that is beyond their ability to do as far as evil and immorality is concerned. No, friends, what we have when we come to the Scripture, we come to the revelation that God has given, the information that He wants mankind to have. And it's all contained here. And if we accept the Scripture as God's Word by faith, then we will have the light of life and the direction for our life. But if we choose to set it aside and ignore it, just say, yeah, some later time I'll come to it. If we reject God's Word, do not be surprised, friends, what happens in society and what is the outcome of a civilization that has rejected the absolute standard of morality and of truth and righteousness and wholesome behavior? Every abnormality and weird thing will come to the surface. And we are seeing it in our day. And when you hear the, well, the teachings... You hear the preachings of the humanist today, you would wonder, is this not something laughable? Can they really be serious in what they're saying? And yet, they are dead serious in their own mind. In the madness and folly, striving for wisdom, striving for enlightenment, they have become vain in their own foolish inventions. And my friends, Romans chapter 1 is an evidence of what is taking place because God hath given them over to their vain and foolish mind. God has given to us His Word and it reveals to us divine truth. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Life through His name. I want you to notice the first thought this morning is this. Well, exactly what life are we talking about? What life are we talking about? Some years ago, I saw a billboard advertisement, and it had these four letters on the billboard. 
and they were up there for about a week or so. And people who were driving by would see them, and of course your minds begin to think, what, what's that all about? What does that mean? And a whole week went by, and then the next week, four letters, the same ones, just put in a different direction, they were up there too. And so now it's really intriguing the interest of everybody driving down the same road day after day to work, and that was the intention of gathering that. And so you had the first string of letters, the second string of letters, and then the third week, up comes the word life. And the line underneath it was something like this, can you make sense of it? It was a very good advertising campaign. It was to do with a, a gospel campaign at the time. So the question is, how do we make sense of life? Why are we here? Is that not a question that many are asking today? Seeking for understanding? Seeking for purpose? Why are we here? Is there an existence that goes beyond the grave? Is there some meaning to life? Or do I just die as an animal, go into the ground, and that's the end of it all? If that is all there is to our existence, as the humanists and evolutionists would teach, then there is no binding morality. There's no purpose to our life. There is no right and there is no wrong. We, if we are the result of simply mere chance and the origin of all things amounts to nothing more than some chemical reaction, then anything goes. Why not just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die like a dog. Live as you please. Trample on anything in order to get your way. There's no final accountability. There's no higher power to whom we must answer. There is no God or any such nonsense like that. Man is just the consequence of a massive explosion 14 billion years ago. And then by a random assortment and arrangement of molecules that happened to collide, life appeared. But then it ends all as abruptly as it started, and there's nothing beyond anyway. So there's meaninglessness to life in the minds of many of the philosophers and thinkers. This is exactly the thing that is being taught in all of our public schools, supported by our governments, seen in every aspect of society today, and we are witnessing the outcome of that, the result of that. For the rejection of God and the lifting up, the exalting of human intelligence as the final arbiter in all things that lead to morality the outcome is inexorably a lawless and chaotic society where selfish satisfaction is the only end in view. It's all about me. 
It's all about my desires. It's all about my pleasures. It's all what's going to satisfy me. And so, the increase in society, what do we see? You see an increase in violence and crime of all kinds. The murder of the innocents through abortion. The increase in our cities of gambling. The vices that are promoted by societies, governments of lotteries, getting something for nothing. And usually the answer to it, or the reason behind it all, is, well, if we only had more social housing, if, if we only had more money to put at hospitals and mental health, if we only had more prisons or community societies, that would take care of the problem. But friends, that is not the answer to the deep need of the human heart. That is not the need that's going to answer the problem in our society today. And when the Apostle John spoke and said these words, life, he was putting forward how you are going to make sense of it. How it's going to be clarified for you. And I know that most of you here in our church You have received Christ as your Redeemer and Savior, and you know Him. And the Lord has given you that grace and understanding to make sense of life and praise Him for it. Because it didn't come from your own thinking. It came from the revelation of God's Spirit to our hearts. It's by sovereign grace. And it's by the Lord opening our understanding to that And we can thank Him for it. What John was talking about here was much more than biology. He wasn't just talking about physical life. Much more comprehensive. He was talking about God-given spiritual life. Life that has meaning. And actually, the life spiritually that gives meaning to our life here on earth. A life is defined by our connection with the Creator. Are we joined to God the Father by faith through Christ? Is our union with Him Is that the motivating principle that drives us forward? Is because we know our God and we love our Savior? To possess this true life, friends, is to make sense out of it all. We must come to God who made us for Himself and for His glory. There is no answer outside of this. And so I say to you today, I ask you, do you possess this life? Have you come to understand why you are here? You're listening online today, and maybe by chance you've joined us. Well, this question comes to your heart, friend. Have you the sense and the meaning of your life? Where are you going? 
Have you trusted the only answer and remedy? So what life are we talking about? It is the life that is revealed in Jesus Christ alone. The second thought is this. How to obtain this life? How to obtain it? Some rather silly philosophical questions, they're sort of hard to answer. I don't know about you, but the number of times I take my USB plug and try to insert it in, and it's upside down. It should really only be 50% of the time that that happens, but I think it's like 95% of the time, and I've got to take turn it over, put it back in the other way. And sometimes you wonder, as you come in a parking lot full of cars, and you wonder, why does the bird find your car as opposed to every other car in the parking lot? And I don't know, it just seems to happen. These are some questions that I don't think we're going to get answers to. And they're silly things, aren't they? But when we come to the more serious questions about the meaning of life, is there an existence after death? It's led to much speculation and dreamy thoughts. Most people, if you ask them, they would say, yes, I would like to go to heaven. Or if they haven't defined what heaven is, they would like to have some paradise after this earth. No one would say, no, I'm looking forward to going in the grave and just staying there forever, and that's the end of me. No, people don't think like that generally. They think, yes, when I get to the end, I'd like to hope there's something beyond that. I'd like to hope for heaven. I'd like to hope for paradise. And you've probably heard at some funerals, eulogies given, and those who speak about the one who has departed, they speak about great things and all the great things that were done, and how that the person is now in heaven looking down on them, uh, being with them, and all that sort of stuff. Mind you, the person who lived their life was not saintly. They were ungodly. They did not know God. They didn't seek the Lord. And those eulogies, they're they're bogus, they're not true, and they're only meant to comfort those who are there remaining. So how do we, friends, how are we supposed to make sense of life and understand how do we obtain eternal life? Well, I can tell you how you will not obtain it. You will not obtain it by your race. It doesn't matter, friend, what your background is or what culture you were born into. It doesn't matter what color race you were born into. All of those things are irrelevant. Why? Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so it's not by your race. It's not by your status in society because God is no respecter of persons. Some people have an idea that because of their riches, because of their place, either in royalty or some high economic standard, that they're going to be okay in this life and when it comes to the end. 
Some people think it may be because they are connected with some society or group. Usually those are benevolent type groups where they're doing good deeds. And so if if they're connected with these societies or groups or even connected to a church and their name is written down on a membership card and they have been confirmed or baptized and they're part of a church group, they think, oh, I must be good to go. I'm God's going to look on me. I've been... No, friend, it's not about your race. It's not about how rich you are or your status in society. And it's certainly not about your church membership. Membership in this church or any other one for that matter. That's not your ticket to heaven. And it's not about how good you think you are. Your self-esteem or your self-righteousness And that is the justification that most people have, and every false religion, by the way, has, as to how they will be entered or welcomed into God's kingdom at the end. They think, well, when I come to stand at the gates of heaven, if there are such things in their minds, and God is going to judge me at the end, He's going to take all of my good things, He's going to put them on the scale, and we hope, person hopes, that all the good stuff will outweigh all the bad stuff. And that's how they're going to be welcomed into God's kingdom. And of course, all those things are great deceptions by the devil. And that self-righteous one is the most prominent in humanity. It affects every single person as it affected us before The Lord saved our souls. My friend, the only answer to life is what we have in this text before us, and it is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing in Him. This is the simple gospel message. In John 17, Jesus prayed, This is life eternal. Now, when the Lord is going to make such a statement, it would be good for us to really pay attention. Jesus is saying, This is life eternal. That they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Yes, my friends, that is the answer. To know that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of Man. That Jesus the Christ is the Anointed of God. That Jesus the Son of God is God the Son. My friends, there are two basic things that a person must know and two basic things that a person must do in order to be saved. A person must know that they are a sinner before God. And I say that because Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Repentance. 
And so a person, if they're going to receive the Lord as their Savior, if they're going to be saved and and have eternal life, they must know that they are a sinner. And friends, has the Spirit of God convicted you of that truth? Has the Lord shown you that you are guilty before God and you have broken His law. You have offended Him. And the soul that sins, God said, it shall die. This is the the gospel message and truth that a person must realize that they have offended God and they've fallen short of His holy standard. And the second thing that you must know is that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. There are two things that a person must do in order to be saved. And the first one is to repent of your sin. Repentance means to turn from sin. It's a 180-degree redirection. It's going in the life that I have lived in my sin and then repenting and acknowledging before God, I have sinned. And repentance means turning away from it. And the other thing that a person must do is to call on Jesus Christ to be their Savior. Romans 10 and 13 tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are there more options than Christ for salvation? Is there any other way? Man would love to find another way. The devil and all false religions tells you, oh, there are many ways to God. You don't have to be so narrow-minded. You don't have to be so bigoted. How come you Christians think that you have the only answer to these great life questions? Well, friend, quite simply, the answer to that is because Jesus Christ said there is only one answer to this question. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. We read today in Acts chapter 4 of what Peter's response was when he was asked a question about his authority and why he did what he did. He said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Friends, there is only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So what life are we talking about? It is everlasting life. How are we to obtain that? It is only to be found by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I conclude with this very briefly this morning, the third part, make sure Make sure. The Bible says, make your calling 
and election sure. Too many folks take chances with their eternal soul. How do they take chances? Well, they take chances by delaying the inevitable. They will put it off to another day. They will think, my life is going on now, I've got a lot of stuff to do, and I'll think about that religious stuff a little bit later. Just, just tomorrow, maybe. Not today, just tomorrow. And it's very similar, you know, to what Felix in the book of Acts said to the Apostle Paul, when Paul was preaching to him about righteousness and truth and repentance, and Felix trembled. He was shaking as Paul was preaching to him, and he said to Paul, Go, thy, go away. For this time, he said. He said, for this time. In other words, in the mind of Felix, he was troubled by the preaching of Paul, and he wanted Paul to go away, but he wanted him not to go away forever, but just for this time, just for now. Just depart from me from now, because I don't want to think about these spiritual matters. And he said, when I have a convenient season, I will call for you. Felix, to all accounts given, never called again to see Paul. We have no evidence that Felix was ever converted, was ever saved. A little bit later, there was another man. His name was King Agrippa. And after Paul had been preaching to him, giving testimony of why he was there, what he was doing, Agrippa said to him, Paul, almost Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. I hope, friend, that you are not a Felix, that you are not an Agrippa. The road to heaven is paved with a lot of good intentions. People make promises to themselves and to others. Procrastinate with, tomorrow I'll get right with God, but not today. But you know something, that tomorrow just never seems to come. And the Lord Jesus spoke a parable about a rich man, and he had much wealth, and he had it stored up for many, many years. In fact, he had so much wealth that he had no place to put it all. And so he tore down his old warehouse, built some new warehouses, Shiny, big, better, held all his stuff. And then he stopped and he said to himself, Soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You've laid up much good for many years. And the Lord came to him and said, Thou fool, for this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall all these things be? Oh, friend, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Your eternal soul 
is not a bartering coin. It's not to be thrown as an empty onto the gambling table. Today, the Lord says, is the day of salvation. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You only have today, friend. You do not have tomorrow. And so when the Lord said, now is the accepted time, behold, now is the day of salvation. I say to you that there is hope. Thank God we have a hopeful message. Thank the Lord it's not hopeless. As long as there is life, there is hope. And so, friends, if you're listening to this message today or maybe at a future time, God has a word for you. There is hope for you. There is salvation in Christ alone. And therefore, I say to you, come, repent of your sin and call on Him, and you will know the joy and the peace of sins forgiven. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, work, we pray, in every heart now. For those of us who are saved, Lord, we, we render our thanks, our, our deep heart thanks for reaching down and saving us from our sin and giving us the gift of everlasting life. And Father, help us to be a good faithful witness every day to that truth. And dear Lord, I pray that for any unbelievers here or watching online, that you would speak to their hearts and save their precious souls. Lord, hear our prayer today. Part us now in your fear and with your rich and everlasting blessing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.